welcome to a new episode of Like Hearted and to our very first episode of our growth series. Yeah, we have been wanting to do a growth series for a while and specifically a growth series with normal people because all the other fancy podcasts have fancy celebrity guests on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are doing a series based on the topics of each of our individual episodes with people we know. We are, and we're really thrilled to have our very first, very special guest. She is beauty. She's Grace. She could absolutely, hands down, be Miss United States if she dare run, (laughs) which maybe 2023, here you come, we'll see. Uh, She is one of our very best friends on this whole entire planet, and we are so happy to have her here. Her name is Brittany Dawn. Smith Hollingsworth. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Happy to be here. I am absolutely a normal person. So you're getting what you oh. asked for. I also meant to say that she is sweating right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, As we all went, do when yeah. we talk on the podcast. Yeah, at all times. Any phone call, any meeting, it's just a thing that happens. So, all you sweaty girls out there, we see you. <laughs> <laughs> She also is an MG in human design because we all know we want to know everybody's personality types. Mm-hmm. She is an Aries sun, an Aquarius moon, and a Taurus rising, and she's a two-wing three in the Enneagram. Can you tell us a little bit about how you feel about all those things? Do you feel like they fit, not fit? That's a good question. So I think that I don't know... When it comes to human design, this was actually something that I wanted to talk about because I think Bracey has, yeah, I think that Bracey has explained my human design to me before and what an MG is, but I don't know that I remember. And so I don't know if I, if I do believe that I am that or not. I mean, I definitely am that, but do I kind of relate to that? Okay. So, well, first of all, you're an MG is a manifesting generator and you, you specifically have sacral authority. So the sacral authority part means that you basically have like a gut response to things that it's either a yes or a no. And that should be your like guidepost for whether you should do them. Um, and then the manifesting generator part means that you have varied interests and like staying power to, to do the things that you're interested in. So you might not be like all in on one hobby all the time, but you have varied interests and like can be pretty good at all of them. And you shouldn't stick to one thing. That's absolutely all of that is so true about you. (laughs) Brittany is like Loki, really good at everything. I also feel like you have new hobbies all the time. So I'm like, it seems correct for me. Yeah, I think that that's true. I definitely relate to the like sacral part and like having a gut feeling like I'm definitely not a person that puts a lot of like time and thought into decisions or like, I'm not a researcher. If I'm going to do something, I'm just going to like pick something, whatever like looks right to me, whatever sounds right. That's what we're going to go with. And then yeah, I'm definitely I don't have like one strong hobby. I feel like I bounce around a lot. And I think that people say that I'm good at a lot of things. Like I'm just like naturally good at things that I pick up. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think I'm probably naturally pretty average at things, but yeah, so I can totally relate to that. But it's, yeah, it's not something that I've looked too much into. Also, I'm pretty sure I haven't, I haven't looked at this recently, but I'm pretty sure that your profile line is a three, six, which is the opposite of mine. I'm a six, three. And the three line is basically like trial and error. Like you learn through experimenting. Mm -hmm. And the six line is like, you kind of, 
just naturally know what to do. Like that's more of like a wisdom type uh, okay. situation. So. Yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that. And then so the others, so I've never related to like quote unquote being an Aries because I think like when people talk about zodiac, it's like usually like your one sign based on your birthday. Mm-hmm have never will never relate to being an Aries. Aries are typically from what I see and read are like very like bold and courageous and kind of wild and like will do dares, which like if I'm playing truth or dare, like absolutely terrified of a dare. But I am the last day for you to be an Aries before you become a Taurus, which is what Anna is. And mm-hmm. so I believe that I am actually a Taurus. That's just like missed the mark by one day because Aries never makes sense early. to me. Yes, just just a little bit early. Yeah, it can be a little ambiguous if you are born on the cusp of two signs. But also, you're a Taurus rising, so and the rising sign is more of like the personality that you display. That's like, I very much identify with my Aquarius rising more than my Gemini sun. So I think that's pretty standard. And I think like... Whenever it comes to being an Aries or a Taurus, I'm also very jealous because Anna and my husband are both Tauruses and they relate to it a lot. They have like a secret Taurus handshake that they do. <laughs> they have the exact same birthday, actually. So I know. I was like, you're Tauruses. kind of, you're kind of burying the lead a little. Not only are we both Tauri, we have the exact same birthday and we weighed the same at birth, which wow. I feel which like is, is an extra fun fact. <laughs> just wild for me. And so I've always, I guess I just want to be a Taurus so bad so that I can be in the crew. Also, I have the same birthday as one of our other friends that's good friends with mm-hmm. you. So I just, I, it blows my mind every time that you have so many important people in your life with like the same birthdays. It's very weird. I'm, yeah, I'm surrounded by people that have the same birthdays. I have much fewer number of days to have to remember for people though, because of these double birthdays. But sometimes with Anna and Travis, I have to choose. Um, so far, I've only chosen Anna whenever that's come to down, come down to that. <laughs> So far, Maybe she's only ever made the right choice. So, <laughs> Travis gets you every other day of the year. Exactly. That's my point, too. It's like Travis and I live together. Anna lives across the country now. So if there's an opportunity for me to see her on her birthday, that's kind of a no-brainer. And he, Sorry, he knows Travis. where he stands. He will celebrate another day. That's yeah. a really plenty of other great days. quality that Travis has is yeah. that he – he just gets it and he accepts it and he's, I don't think, ever mad about it. We appreciate that about him. Oh, no. Agree. Okay. And so then for my Enneagram, I do very much relate to it. I think Enneagram and Myers-Briggs are the two that I absolutely think are right on the money. So I'm a two-wing three, um, which means that I am the hostess, but basically two-wing threes have um, a very strong desire to be loved and accepted a big fear of being unwanted or worthless to people. They take criticism really um, personally into heart. Uh, they avoid conflict at all costs, very sensitive to other people's emotions. Every time I read something about a two wing three or just a two in general, it always makes sense. It's always perfect. Anytime you see those things, it's like, if you're a two at a party, you're doing this. It's It, it always fits. So I definitely can relate to that. We have a lot of twos in our like core friend group. Absolutely, I'm a two really as well. True. Yeah, and then Mal, it may be Julia. Mm-hmm. Yes, Julia is, yeah, yeah. Which I think is interesting that we all like flock to each other. But Anna and I always talk about it. So Anna and I are the same enneagram main type, but we have different wings. 
And Mm -hmm. so we always say that we have like the same feelings and the same motivations, but we express our feelings in different ways, which is where our wings Mm -hmm. come out. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can relate to each other a lot, but we don't always look the same to other people, I think, because of that. Yeah. And that really is one of our main differences, that. And then the other one is that I like the French cut green beans. beans. (laughs) Brittany likes regular cut green beans. Um, Wow. But in every other way, we're very similar. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah, that is really the one one difference. Um, But then whenever you come to Bracey and I, we have a million differences. So many. (laughs) We never agree. We never have the same feelings about a show. We would never do the same thing. We would never dress the same way. It just, but you know, opposites attract. That's true. Yeah, it works for us. It does. <laughs> All right. So we are going to deep dive into some questions. I'm really excited. This has really been a dream for me personally because I would way rather ask questions then have to talk about myself. So I'm so thrilled about this growth series in general. And I just can't wait to see how you answer these because I feel like I know you super well. And so I'm like, am, am she going to surprise me? I don't know. Some of these maybe I don't know the answer to. We'll see. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. I probably won't surprise you. I think you're right that you know me pretty well. <laughs> okay. Well, we had to go with a growth question right on the nose immediately. So what does personal growth mean to you and where do you feel like you are on your growth journey? Um, so yeah, I would say for me, personal growth is all about or mainly about like paying attention and noticing the ways that you feel, the things that you do, why you're doing those, how they affect you or others. I think it's a thing that goes on forever. I don't think that you're ever done with a growth. Like, I don't think that there's really an end to a growth journey, at least for me. Like, I don't think I will ever get to an end. Um, But the goal is always to be better for yourself, better for others. I think that I didn't start anything related to personal growth until after I graduated from college. I'll talk about that probably later. But I would say that I'm in the middle of my growth journey because I don't think that there's an end. I don't know if I'm a third of the way, two thirds of the way, I'm probably just like always going to be in this middle, but it's very up and down. I feel like there are ebbs and flows. There are times when I'm really focused on personal growth, where I'm really thinking about it. There are times when I feel overwhelmed by other things. And so I'm not as focused on it. I think that that's been kind of a big thing in the last two years, while there are so many things going on in the world with the pandemic, with like things that are happening in our country Sometimes it feels too tiring to also be personally growing. Um, so I think it's been really up and down. So yeah, I would say that I'm in the middle trying to focus on small wins is where I'm at. Okay. Follow up question. What would you say is something that you are like currently working on personally? Um, I think for me, it's interesting because I feel like there are like several things that I am constantly working on. And I don't know if there's like a small thing. I think that the thread of my life in the last five or six years that I feel like I'm every day, every week, every month trying to work on is um, attachment. So I am an anxious attachment style, which I think we'll probably talk about as well. But I'm also married. And so that comes out a lot in my relationship with my partner. And there are, you know, things that I do or feel or ways that I react that come from that. And so I think now and always I'm focused on if I react to something that he says, is it a true fair reaction 
or is it my anxious attachment kind of rearing its head? Um, or if I, you know, say something or if I feel a certain way, even if I don't express it, like, why is that happening? That's really what I feel like I'm constantly focused on because it's one of the bigger things that I struggle with for sure. Yeah, that's fair. We, uh, we yeah. love mm-hmm. talking about attachment. <laughs> I do too, do. actually. Like, I really do. And I also am so fascinated whenever I meet people who immediately say that they're secure attachment. Anytime I meet, I'm like, wow, that is just so feels so rare. Yeah, so rare to me. Like that is amazing. I don't like, actually must know. life be like. I don't know how that happens. Like, what is it that makes people you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. just really lovely childhoods and like great <sighs> examples of attachment in their parents. I don't I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to we need to do like a full episode on attachment. Yeah, we'll put it on we haven't. We haven't, yeah. I think that's a great topic. And I think it's interesting for people who have never thought about it or looked into it to mm-hmm. understand what attachment style they are. Because once you do, at least for me, I was like, wow, that's why I do and think all the things that I do and think. Every reaction <laughs> I have is based on this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just like unlocking a key. And it doesn't make you not be that way, but it makes you understand why you are. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. the awareness piece, which I think is step one. Allegedly, I haven't made any movements whatsoever, but allegedly you can move into a different attachment style. Yeah, I think that's point. true too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, once you're aware of something, then you can start changing the way that you might want to respond. Mm-hmm. I think that's a tough journey though. I think I mean, it'll be a while. <laughs> yeah, it's not simple. That's towards the end of the journey, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, another hard hitter. What is your relationship to anxiety? My relationship to anxiety is that we are very old friends. We're super tight, (laughs) ever present in each other's lives. Yeah, I think I've always been an anxious person and experienced anxiety, but I never knew it or like knew how to put words to it or thought about why I was the way I was until, like I said, after college. Because growing up, I don't have a family that talks about your feelings a lot or would like ever use the word anxiety or, yeah, would just like put words to that or would maybe notice something about you. Because I think growing up, I seemed like a pretty normal kid. You know, I was good in school. I had friends. I didn't have any kind of like severe quote unquote problems that my parents would see and think, oh, we need to see like what's going on with her. It was just very subtle things that then translate into me as an adult where I'm old enough and aware enough and have access to things like therapy where I can realize that what I'm experiencing is anxiety. Yeah, but you're really good at expressing your anxiety, which I think is really impressive. I am now. I think that's been a huge part of it is I have talk to therapists so much and talk to our friends. Like I think the great thing about our group of friends is that we're so open about talking about things that we're struggling with, or we talk a lot about personality types. We talk a lot about our relationships with our families. So it feels very easy to be open about that. But I think that I've gotten so much better at understanding what is anxiety and what isn't. And like, what's me just being, I don't know, shy or weird or whatever is actually anxiety since, you know, after college, whenever I feel like this whole world of like mental health and like openness about your feelings and your struggles came to me. Cause I don't really feel like I ever had that before. 
It's very interesting too, because I feel like, you know, in high school and college, I was in a lot of like religious organizations, small groups, things like that. And I feel like you talk about feelings, but not in the same way. Like, I feel like I had so many opportunities to be in a group of people where we could have talked about things like this and like really vocalized mental health and like what anxiety and depression are like, but never did. And so as an adult, I'm just very grateful that we have friends that we can do that with so that now, yeah, I'm, and I'm definitely very open to saying like, I'm having anxiety about this or this thing makes me anxious because I want other people to feel like they can say that. Yeah. I just remember when we worked together and we sat next to each other, you would turn to me and be like, I'm freaking out about this thing. (laughs) Can can you listen to me? Yes. Which was constant. Well, I mean, I did the same thing. So it's fine. (laughs) I think that was like, a really high anxiety job for both of us, I think. Agree. I think we were both very young. We were in our early 20s. We were working at a startup company with kind of a dysfunctional ownership situation. There were a lot of really young people working there. It was pretty high pressure, I feel like. Um, but I was also in a job where I was working every single day with clients. I had like all of these clients who were relying on me to make them happy so that our company could be successful. And now that I know things about myself, I know that putting the pressure of other people's feelings on me to equal success was really, really bad for me. I took it way too seriously, way too personally. I'm way too in tune with other people's feelings and emotions for that to also be my job. Um, I think that that made it really stressful for me too. So yeah, I was constantly turning to Bracey, asking advice for these clients that were yelling at me or somebody that was mad at me about something. Um, and then she was basically just taking over the company and crushing it. Mm, debatable. <laughs> I was also having to talk to clients and it wasn't even necessarily for me, the expectations or like pressure. It was the social anxiety. I don't know how to make small talk with you. Yeah, that's fair too. Yeah, I feel like you hate small talk, so I, I can't do. imagine having to hop it on the phone really, and it was terrible. <laughs> just talk about the weather. And cars. Yeah, and cars, which we yeah, we worked in the automotive. I was like, business, why are which, you I was like, wait, what? When do you talk yeah. about cars? But I forgot. Every day. Two two car people who are notoriously chatty kind about of aggre- cars. Yeah, chatty, <laughs> also kind of aggressive. It's a very male dominated world and we were very young women who were trying to enter into it. I think we faced a lot of, you know, people kind of doubting us or thinking that, you know, we, you know, we couldn't possibly help their business. So that added even more stress to trying to make them happy or or make them successful. True. Do you feel like the job that you're in now is a better fit for your anxiety? Yes, definitely. So I don't work with a group of clients anymore. I work with a group of people internally at my job, which is always what I thought I would enjoy more. I have, you know, people that I work with on a day to day basis that I know that I care about that rely on me versus this pool of blank faces who just kind of yell at me on the phone. And I don't really care if their business succeeds, but I have to because if I don't, then I feel like a failure. It's just different now where I can actually work with people that I care about and I feel like I work a lot more on the technical side of things now, which I really enjoy. Like I love problem solving. I like being able to provide answers to people. Um, so even though it's not a perfect job where I feel like I'm fulfilling some greater purpose, I do enjoy doing it every day. Well, most days. <laughs> With your anxiety, do you feel like you have made a lot of growth in that area? 
I do. I think that I, yes, I do think that I have. Um, whenever I think about myself like five years ago, six years ago, I feel like I was struggling a lot more than I do now. But like going to therapy and talking to our friend group more was super helpful. And I think the big thing really is just understanding where your anxiety comes from or like where these behaviors are surfaced from. And that's been a huge thing for me, but it's also been, it's been a good thing and a bad thing. So I think that I realized that a lot of my anxiety comes around um, my family dynamics growing up, some things that happened in my life um, within my family that caused me to have an anxious attachment style. And so realizing that is helpful because I understand why I'm feeling this. Like I'm not feeling this just out of the blue. I'm not like starting um, an argument with my husband about something very trivial just for no reason. It's always traced back to something that I think, you know, kind of happened when I was being brought up. But there's also kind of a catch-22 where that realization makes you feel differently about your childhood or about your family. Um, So while I feel like I have, you know, great understanding of myself now, you also kind of have to try to understand your family in a different way than you did growing up and maybe realize that not everybody's perfect and nobody has a perfect family situation and that there probably isn't one. Like nobody can really grow up and just be a perfect human being with all of the perfect responses with absolutely no anxiety. I think that's been really helpful, but it has been very interesting. Um, I think that whenever we grew up, like the the parents kind of generation that we grew up with, and I don't know if this is everybody's experience. I'm sure it's not. It's a, a generalization. But a lot of people that I know, our parents' generation is not as open to talking about this, like especially we live in the South. And so it's kind of stigmatized to talk about going to therapy, to talk about anything with mental health, to say that you're anxious or you're depressed. Like it has a bad rap here. And so growing up, I didn't get any kind of conversation from anybody in my family about that. And I remember, you know, graduating college and not having a job and being nervous and anxious about that. And I got kind of the classic from my dad, like, why are you worried? You don't need to be worried. Just don't stress. As if that's something that you can do when you have anxiety, <laughs> as if you could just choose to not. Um, so I think as an adult, it can be a little bit alienating whenever your family doesn't, you know, talk about that or really understand it or isn't really interested in conversations around mental health because it has been so stigmatized with them before. So I think that that's kind of another, another thing that I've come to know and have struggled with because it's just things are good and bad. You know, you get, the good things where you realize why you are the way you are and how you can improve. And then, you know, you learn some things that maybe uh, cause a little bit more stress in different areas of your life. Yeah. I think it can be enlightening and tricky to like, look back on your childhood through a different lens. And yeah, I agree. Brings up all kinds of interesting feelings. And I think too, can make it difficult to be authentic with your family, like moving forward in your life. 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think for me, that's been even more amplified recently where in the last couple of years, there have been so many polarizing things in our country. And I am typically on a different side of those things than the majority of my family. So on top of feeling, you know, kind of distanced, kind of alienated because, you know, I have so many thoughts about mental health and anxiety and I don't feel like I can really like get deep with them. It feels more surface level. Um, now that we have these, you know, other huge topics that are polarizing, 
it's just another layer of, you know, I feel maybe misunderstood or, or more distanced because of those things. So it's just, yeah, it's really tricky. Yeah. It's a barrier. Oof. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you a toss you a lighter question. Um, this is a two-parter. Okay. Number one, what's your favorite place you've been to domestic and international? And then part two is if you had to move, where would you go domestic and international? What's my favorite place that I've been to? That's very interesting. I don't feel like I've been to a lot of places. Like I think on my goal sheet for the next five years is to go more places if I, if I had to create one. Is your goal sheet a legit like piece of paper slash Google sheet? Like a legit Um, goal sheet or in your, your mind's goal sheet? It's more theoretical. Yeah. I honestly haven't ever used the word growth or goal sheet before now. It just came up. (laughs) You're on a growth podcast. It came right out of your mouth. (laughs) So now I, now I have one. So I'll probably start one. It might be in a new notebook, but yeah, that is really a thing that I feel like I should do. Um, I've gone to places that I've really enjoyed. You know, I've gone to vacations in Mexico. After high school, I went to Europe. I'd love to do that again as an adult, like as somebody that is kind of traveling on my own whim and able to make my own decisions and not have to follow, you know, one of those like, you're graduated from high school. Here's a like learning path through Europe. But yeah, I don't know. We have plans, hopefully, to do more kind of like, American destinations. So I think typically when I think about traveling, I want to go to Italy or to Spain or wherever. But whenever we actually visited Anna in Portland recently, my husband had never been to the Pacific Northwest before. And it's just like so amazing. And everything is at such a larger scale. There are so many hikes that are just amazing that I think that those are on our list seeing more of, you know, the national parks, more places where you can hike and just see like incredible views because it is different from where we live here. Like every everything here that we have is beautiful, but it's different. So I don't know. I think that my answer is I don't have a maybe I haven't found my favorite place yet that I visited because I don't know that I have one where I feel like I went here and it changed my life. Sounds like a room for growth. I'll it put does. it on my sheet. I like it. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for you to find your favorite place. That's so cute. I know. Yeah, also, but I do. Let it be known that now, after Brittany and Travis visited Portland, their mm-hmm. new hobby is now hiking. She she just came up with a new hobby, and it's hiking. She's going to be a hiking um, girl. I am. Yes. I would love to go hiking more, mostly because Travis is really into hiking. Um, Every time we go hiking, he's just like a kid. He lights up. He did a couple of days on the Appalachian Trail like years and years ago. And I think that he always remembers that and wants to do more hiking. I like the destination of hiking. I like when you get to the top. I think it's worth it. And he likes the journey more. So we'll really, you know, have kind of the roundabout experience there. But I think if there's someplace that I would want to move, my immediate answer is Charleston because I think it's just beautiful. It's warm weather. You're 20 minutes from the beach. You're in a historic downtown. So many restaurants and bars you can go to. But I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Canada, depending on how things go. Maybe (laughs) we'll find that. we've, We've already made our selection for which city we would go to. 
Yeah, we we looked at a map and we took, you know, kind of what's in Canada in between our two states. It's a little town called Flin Flon. So coming at you guys soon from there, wow. um, if need be. It's either there or Kansas. So. <laughs> Kansas just didn't feel right. You know, it just too many tornadoes and... But yeah, I don't know. Maybe whenever we travel and find, you know, our favorite place, that's where we'll want to go. I love that. All right. Next question. What does growth look like for you and friendships? Well, um, that's an interesting question because it's one that I think about literally all the time. I think about my friendships nonstop, 24-7, um, you ladies included. I feel like... It's interesting as an adult going to a four-year college where you're living in a dorm with your friends or in an apartment into being a full-fledged adult and having different jobs and then moving into, you know, an adult who has a partner and a marriage and your friends have partners. There have been so many ways that my friendships have changed and my relationships with friendships have changed. And I still have some of the same friends from these times, but I think it's very interesting. In college, you know, I felt great about my friend group. I saw them all the time. I didn't have to try to make plans with them. We lived literally next door to each other. We would meet almost every night to study or to hang out. And so I feel like in college, I felt pretty secure in my friendships. Um, I had really, really good friends um, who were always there, always willing to hang out, always willing to um, chat and kind of be open the way the way that we are. So I think that, you know, I did have friends in college that would do that. Whenever we left college and Bracey and I were working in this, you know, kind of dysfunctional company, we were working with so many people our age and we were in such a stressful and challenging environment that we became really close friends with a lot of people that worked there. So I feel like we had this huge built-in friend group where we would, you know, go grab a beer after work and blow off steam, or we would, you know, have lunch together. We would go out on the town. Like we would do all these things where we were bonded by this experience that we were having. And we're friends with a lot of those people still. I mean, Bracey and I are literally friends to this day because of that. Um, but then after that kind of era of our life, everybody started branching off, getting different jobs. Um, everybody was in different places. And I feel like your friendships really changed then. Um, even at that point, I was living with Anna. So our friendship was literally as close as you could possibly be with a friend. I think I don't mm-hmm. think we left each other's side for the years that we lived together. We were not the type of roommates who would just like see each other at home. Like we were the type of roommates that did literally everything together. Like mm-hmm. I need to go to Walgreens. Okay, I'm going to come they with you. They would both to go gas. to Walgreens, y'all. I'm not like... <laughs> This is not the type of friend that I am. Sorry, guys, I guess. But no, it boggles my mind. It's not like, hey, I've got to run out. Do you need anything from the store? It's like, hey, do you want to come with me to Walgreens? Mm -hmm. And the answer was always yes. 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 (laughs) It was 100% of the time yes. And I tell this to people a lot. And I don't think that it's very common for roommates to act like that. I think that we were just like... We're special. Absolute besties. (laughs) Um, except for that one time that you went and got ice cream at the store and you didn't get the kind that I liked. And I was She's genuinely upset about it. Definitely not still bitter about it. I'm not bitter about it, but I will never forget. <laughs> so it probably just depends on how you define bitter. <laughs> However, yeah, no, totally. I I don't know. We just were like, I mean, I still feel like you're one of my soulmates. But yeah, I mean, it was just like not 
weird to me in any sense. It just was like, we are a package deal at all times. I feel like even with the company that y'all worked for, where like y'all met a bunch of our other friends that are now kind of in like our core friend group, like I did not work there ever or have a similar job type or anything. And Brittany like very much brought me into that friend group because we were like, well, we can be separated. So, <laughs> so this is now your other friend, Anna. Hello. And I even pretended to work there on Fridays when I got done with class. I was about to say, there's many days that I just walked into the lobby and Anna was there. <laughs> yeah. Like it just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, I guess. It I don't know true. that like, I thought that was rare, but I love that it is. <laughs> I think it kind of is. Like, I think especially for like not being in college or something. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great thing. Like this is the best thing about us, but I really do like neither of us could have friends that the other one didn't know or like have met. I couldn't have a job that you weren't a part of. Like, of course not because we, yes, we were a package deal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we, I don't think I ever felt any friendship anxiety between you and I until after we stopped living together. Absolutely. Ooh, I 100% agree with that. There was no room for friendship anxiety. Like we were constantly with us. We constantly had the reassurance that the other person loved us and wanted to be with us and mm -hmm. wanted to invite us to things. So I agree. I had no friendship anxiety with you until we didn't live together. Wow. So I think, yeah, like those, those times you have your friends that are so close to you, you're constantly seeing them, you're constantly being reassured. And then, you know, we all move to different jobs. Some of us move to different locations. We um, start dating. We start getting married and things change. And I think that really is where the kind of anxious attachment in me started to show itself in friendships. And it makes sense. Like it wasn't because any of my friendships were weaker at those times. It was just because I didn't have the kind of constant reassurance that I had whenever I was seeing people all the time. Like the time that you have between seeing your friends gets to be much longer. It's much more challenging to make plans with a group, not because nobody wants to be together, but because you have these different jobs, you have, you know, maybe different friends as well with those different jobs. You have a partner that you're spending time with, you know, you are buying houses and you have things to take care of. You have your family to see. There are all these other factors that you have to consider when scheduling time with your friends. And so I think that now we're in this part of life that I hear people talk about all the time. Like this isn't a strange kind of situation we've found ourselves in. Like these are how your friendships evolve. But we're in this stage where, you know, we're navigating how to be in friendships as adults versus whenever you're constantly attached at the hip. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The ease of connection is such a difficult thing to like overcome because it's, it's so much easier when you're like in proximity with people to just like have very easy relationships. Mm -hmm. And the more complicated your life becomes, the more complicated your friends, friendships become. And I, I think too, it's almost a harder transition. I would say if you've had the experience of being with a friend all the time, and then transitioning to not being with them as much as you used to be. Like it just, there's, and, and if you're already kind of an anxious person anyway, like it just gives so much space for your mind to be, you know, invading with all these thoughts that are 99.9% .9 of the time inaccurate. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 
It's definitely tricky. I think, honestly, at this point, Brittany and I have been so close for like a decade now. And I would, I'm going to assume that this is also true for Brittany is I can tell when she's having anxiety about our friendship. Like she doesn't have to say it. Like I can tell by the way she's communicating with me or something. And I think she probably feels the same way about me, but it's like, oh, this is, she needs reassurance right now, or I need reassurance right now. Um, One thing I really appreciate about my relationship with Brittany in this aspect is that she's really good about just asking me for reassurance because I'm not the mm -hmm. person that's going to notice. And I also don't care if you ask. Like, I prefer that you ask because mm -hmm. I want you to feel fine about it because, like you said, 99.9% .9 of the time, like, there's nothing wrong. So yeah. I distinctly remember one day I was in the mall and Brittany was like, I'm having some thoughts and feelings are you mad at me? And I was like, nope, sure I'm not. Like, and that was like, that was the whole conversation. That was it. <laughs> that was all I needed. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, yeah, with Bracey, like I know you so well and I know that you like probably won't read into things that I'm saying or like think about things like that. And so, yeah, it's easy. I did it once and then I was like, oh, this is so easy. It was just like, hey, you mad at me? And she's like, oh no, I'm just shopping. And I was yeah. like, okay, no, that's I'm great. I'm just busy. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, I think with Anna, like, I think that we are so similar and have such similar, like, attachment styles. And, like, we know that mm -hmm. we have this friendship anxiety. We don't necessarily come out and say it because, honestly, I don't want to say, like, every three days, like, hey, are you mad at me? Because I probably would. <laughs> um, but I feel like there are times where we kind of, like, pick it out of each other, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I do it a lot with my friends by just, like, saying something affectionate if I'm like, I generally mean it, but if I'm feeling anxious, like, I'll typically, like, text somebody randomly and be like, hey, I really love you, because, like, I want them to say it back and, like, know that we're good and, like, them not be weird about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I do that to our friend Mallory a lot after we see each other. Like, I leave and then I, like, text her. I'm like, hey, by the way, I love you, because I start getting anxiety. But, yeah, I think we're less direct about it. Because it's, like, the same thing. All the time. Yeah, but it's it's the same thing. We're just wanting like to know that the other person is. And I think that whenever we're together, I don't feel like we have that anxiety as much as when we're apart. Yeah, because like when we're together, we're constantly like, oh, this feels we're great. We're, we're so much full on together. Yeah, we're crushing it. But now there are times when I'm like, oh, am I, you know, like reaching out enough? Or like, am I sharing enough about my life? Am I asking enough about her life? Am I trying to dig in and ask the right questions to get to the things that she won't tell that me? Because she's not as forthcoming. Talk about. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I feel like those like little anxieties come up, but they always resolve each, like they always resolve themselves. Yeah. But like, please tell me if you feel differently or like how, how do you feel like whenever you're like needing reassurance? Like, how do you get that from me? I mean, I feel like you give me reassurance. Like, I mean, we talk almost every single day. Oh, like I would say 354 days a year we talk. I think when we talk on the phone, that gives me a lot of reassurance, which honestly is not super often. But when we do, it's always for like way longer than we say we're going to, but it's just really quick. I just need to tell you this one thing. And then like two hours later, um, we're like, okay, actually, well, all right, let you go. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably just from us talking more. And I think I probably do the same thing as you as sometimes giving like, Hey, I love you so much. Just a reminder. Cause then I know too that you'll tell me and I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> You're making a bid for connection. Yeah, Yes, you're fishing, which is what I do. I do that all the time with Travis, too. Like, you know, I think everybody does it. Like, Bracey says that, like, she says it to Seb, where she's like, do you love me? And, like, that's just, like, a little mm -hmm. fish, you know? Do you feel like 
friendship anxiety really only shows up with friends who also have anxiety. Because I agree that I feel almost no friendship anxiety with Bracey. Like maybe occasionally, but because she's told me before, Bracey is so thrilled with this. I am. I feel special. (laughs) Because she's told me before about you being like, oh, she just asked me. And then I'm like, okay, great. So if I'm ever feeling anything, I can just ask Bracey and that is her preference and I want to make her happy. So of course I will do that. (laughs) Oh no. And it's easy and whatever. Like it just hits it on like all bars. But I'm like, I really have very, very, very infrequently felt friendship anxiety with Bracey. I also feel like with Julia, who I don't, I mean, she, I think she has some anxiety because I feel like we all do like a little bit, but not as extreme as like with some of our other friends that I do experience more friendship anxiety with. Really interesting. So are we just like on this anxiety cycle together? Um, I think a little bit. Um, I think that it's easier to have less friendship anxiety from somebody that you know, if they have a problem with you, they're going to tell you or talk to you about it too. Like, I think that if like something was going on with me and Bracey, like it would come out at some point or like Mm -hmm. if she was feeling some way, like even though she's, you know, she says she's like an avoidant attachment. Like I still think that it would come out or I think that like Bracey's not thinking about our friendship other than the fact that like she likes it. That's true. Yeah. I just don't have a lot of like extra thoughts. Like I love Brittany. The end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But for us and maybe, maybe we're like really unlocking the secret. Like maybe we're about to cure it right here. Like I think for us, like we know that the other person like is thinking and like worrying at times and like wants to have this like great connection, which we do, but Mm -hmm. we, we, I don't know why we worry about it. And so I think, (laughs) yeah, maybe that makes us like a little more anxious, like that we want to know, like, are you good? Are you okay? Is there something that, you know, you're upset about with me? And like, maybe we just need to both stop caring as much and then we'll be fine. I cannot care less about you. I know. And it's hard to like, (laughs) this is all like, it's easy to say, but I think for me, where a lot of my like kind of diving back into like the the very beginning of this topic, for me, a lot of my friendship anxiety comes from one, just being an anxious, anxious attachment style in general, but also like I have like very suddenly lost friendships without Mm -hmm. knowing why. Like I have had, you know, a couple of people in my adult life who have just like stopped being friends with me without saying like, hey, I'm having a conflict with you or hey, I'm feeling some certain way or like me feeling like I had any indication that we were in anything other than a good friendship. And so it's hard for me to just trust that everybody is good with me and is not going to do that. And so I think that like that really feeds into me being anxious. And especially, I mean, yeah, I just don't want, I don't want anything to happen with my friends. I want them to stick around. That's a really good point. Yeah. You have some like little T trauma, maybe some Mm -hmm. capital T trauma in friendship. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think that there are different ways that people can kind of like express friendship anxiety or have like thoughts about their friends. Like, so for example, I think a lot about like how many friends I have and is there 
a number of friends that you should have? Or does that mean something? Is it really like a few good friends is better than a lot of friends? That's something that I definitely think about. And I know, Bracey, you and I have talked about a lot. Yeah, I feel that way for sure. I was actually just thinking about like, y'all have given some really good examples of like the way that your friendship anxiety manifests. And I don't want people to think that I like am perfectly great at friendships because I'm not. I actually really struggle in that area. It's just that I feel like my issues don't manifest like anxiety in that way. Um, but mm-hmm. yes, I definitely feel the thing about like, do I have enough friends? Why am I so bad at making friends? Because I do feel like I'm like not, especially with the small talk thing, like meeting people is hard for me. So I have some of those types of issues. I also feel like making friendship as an adult is just harder. It is. I keep meaning to read that friendship book. Do you know what I'm talking about? The one that big friendship. Yeah, I think that's it. That's really good. Would recommend. Okay. I think that making friends as an adult is weird. I think that I, if I try to think like, have I made any significant friends in the last, like new friends in the last five or six years? Not really. Like the friends that I have are friends that I've carried from like college to like early 20s. And I feel the same way, Racy. Like I'm like, I don't know how to make a new friend. I like joke a lot about how whenever I meet somebody new, I like completely blank out and don't know how to be a person. And like, what questions do you ask somebody to get to know them? And so I feel it's not that I like don't like small talk. I think I just have like maybe some level of social anxiety that makes me feel like, oh, how would I even like go randomly make a new friend? I would have to acquire them through other friends, I think, like inherit them. Mm-hmm. That's how Anna and I met. I mean, you mm-hmm. brought us together. You did. I pretty much exclusively inherit friends. So you're welcome for Anna. I know she's a blessing to everybody. <laughs> <A> precious gift. <laughs> uh, my mom would agree. <laughs> All right, I am going to ask you a new question. This one is on the lighter side, but has the potential to go a little deeper, depending on what you say. Do you have an alternate life path that you think you would have enjoyed? An alternate life path? I feel like that's such a broad question. I feel like there are so many ways that that could go. Like, I think that there are probably several alternate life paths that I could have taken. But is there one that I would have enjoyed? So I think whenever I think about this a lot, and our friend Hannah and I were talking about this recently, we're both from like a very small town in North Carolina. And we were talking about what we would be like if we hadn't left for college, if we had just kind of stayed there, if we had lived there our whole lives, what our jobs would look like, what our families would look like, what our opinions would look like. I hope they'd be the same, but I don't know. And we were asking, like, would we be friends with them? And we were like, maybe not, but they would probably be friends with each other. So I thought about that a little bit recently. I don't think that's an alternate life path that I would have enjoyed One thing that I think about a lot is after I graduated college, I thought about being a flight attendant for a while. Like I thought that would be a very interesting job to do for a while to be able to travel and like be independent. So I think that that could be a life path that I enjoyed if I had done that for some period of time, seen more of at least the country. I could have maybe decided to live somewhere else. But I think, I don't know, I think I wouldn't have done that forever because I... I'm obsessed with my dogs and like you can't have a dog if you're a flight attendant. I don't know how you would do that. Um, But I think that could be very interesting. Although I think it would be very hard for me to live farther away than I do now. Um, 
I would have had to get over some anxiety around my parents and how they would feel about me living farther away. I think that that is like a big limiting factor for my decisions on like where I live. And, you know, sometimes what I do is that I think if I were to live far away, like my parents would be very disappointed, like very sad, very upset. And I don't know if I would have like gotten around that to to take an alternate life path. That's fascinating because I feel like your parents did the moving. A hundred percent. They probably didn't even think about it. Absolutely. My parents moved so many times when I was growing up. Like my dad's mom lived in Florida while we were living in Kansas or North Carolina or Virginia. My parents, my mom's parents lived in South Carolina while we were living all those places. And yeah, I don't know that they, but I think they probably had different relationships with their parents or like their parents had different expectations of them that didn't really restrict them. Or maybe they were just setting those boundaries for themselves that it's kind of, you know, their life and they can make those choices. But I feel like I've I've heard this from other people too, that sometimes it's hard to, to make those moves whenever it feels like you're disappointing or like hurting people that are close Mm -hmm. to you, which I think I would have felt. I agree. I would have had the same struggle if I had felt the need to move. Well, and I think it's something that's like not over for us. Like, I think that we still talk about like, if we would want to move somewhere first, like, I think we would always come back to North Carolina. Travis's family has a mountain house here and like his mom is here and she's single. So like, eventually we'd want to be here to like, make sure that we're like close to her. But we do still talk about, you know, if we wanted to move somewhere for a few years, like where would we go? And so it might be a bridge that we still have to consider crossing. I'm just maybe avoiding it for right now. Hmm. Well, circling this back to friendship anxiety, one of my thoughts about moving away was how will I ever meet anybody? I will never make any friends. Yeah, I think that's hard. Yeah, I I think that I could probably dole out some advice to somebody else, but like, I don't know what advice I would take. I mean, you know, you can be like, oh, you just join like a club or a group or, you know, go to these places. But I would also be very scared. I would just move to wherever Anna is and be like, I'm moving to a new place. But then I have a built-in friend and I'd steal all of her new friends. That's mine. (laughs) They will inherit you and they will be thrilled. I also think another life path for you that I don't know if things would have been different or not, but the company that y'all both worked for... At one point, you moving to Maryland was on the table and seemed like really real for a couple months at least. Like it seemed like, yeah, it was happening and then it didn't. But I'm, I'm curious like where your life would have taken you if you had done that. For, yeah, for a very short time, there was like talk of, you know, we have this big client that I was managing at the time that was in Maryland and, you know, we might want to move somebody up there to be closer and more like hands on with them. And at the time, I was like very interested in an opportunity like that. Like, I guess I was feeling like young and bold. And I was like, yeah, I could totally do that. I wasn't tied down. I hadn't, maybe I'd met Travis, but we weren't like entangled in any way. But even then, I remember talking about that to one of our other roommates, not Anna. And I got like a pretty negative reaction. And I felt in that moment, like, oh, I would be hurting somebody by leaving, which was the same thing that I, you know, I feel about my parents. So I don't know in the end, like what I have actually bitten the bullet and done that or what I have kind of let that restrict me and keep me where I was. I don't know. I don't know if it would have happened. The world may never know. Or there's another version of you that is living it right now. Alternate timelines. Evil Brittany. Just because you make a decision for yourself that hurts other people does not make you evil. That's true. 
All right. Well, for the last part of this inaugural Grow Series episode is a fun and quick little this or that. Are you ready? I'm ready. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Night or morning? Morning. Passenger or driver? Passenger. Train or airplane? Airplane. Oh, money or owe a favor? Oh, money. Mm, okay. I feel like we could dive into that one. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Be embarrassed or be afraid? Oh, that one's tough. I hate being embarrassed. I hate... Mm, I'm so awkward, so maybe be afraid. <laughs> city or countryside? Oh, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I guess city. I guess city. Wine or beer? Wine. Camping or glamping? Glamping. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like I have no answer for that question because my answer is neither. Well, but glamping okay. could be anything, I, you know? I feel like glamping is like being in a nice Airbnb in the woods. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Or like a very fancy tree house. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can do that. That's basically the lake for me. That's as yeah. outdoorsy as I get. Okay. Cooking or being cooked for? being cooked for play or stand-up show um third option musical <laughs> okay we will allow it because this is our first time <laughs> attend a party or host a party host a party sneakers or dress shoes sneakers fiction or non-fiction definitely fiction hot coffee or iced coffee actually hot coffee i love iced coffee but i drink hot coffee more I know. You disagree. (laughs) Our third main difference. (laughs) (laughs) We found another one, guys. Patterned or plain? Plain. That's where Bracey and I would probably differ. Yep, for sure. Also, I like that you said the word plain in such a plain way. (laughs) Like, plain. (laughs) (laughs) She was trying to move me towards It's kind of a plain word, okay? It is. It's not very exciting. Um, Okay. Reality shows or documentaries? Documentaries about crime. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? Oh, pineapple pizza. I had it literally this morning for breakfast. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's delicious. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, all right. And that's all we got for you for the this or that. Thanks for playing. Absolutely. Anytime. It's pretty simple. I didn't have to think too much. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you so much for being our first guest on our growth series. We've been talking a ton over the last year and a half of doing this podcast about how much we wanted to have you on because we both love you so much. So mm-hmm. there was I'm no glad other we... candidate for the, our first episode. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You guys are going to make me blush. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I honestly feel so honored. I'd never been on a podcast before. Longtime listener, longtime friend, first time guest. Mm-hmm. I had so much fun. You did a great job. Thanks. Love talking all things anxiety, friendship, anxiety. This is just the anxiety episode. It's fine. <laughs> Every episode of ours is an anxiety episode. Uh, yes. Yeah, maybe you should rename this podcast. We we might do it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, if you have any follow-up questions or comments for us or for Brittany, you can email us at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com. And follow along on Instagram at lightheartedpod. Talk to you soon. Bye.